Hello, hello, welcome, happy Monday. Welcome to the PGA Championship Recap Show presented by DraftKings Rainmakers, Rainmakers Fantasy Golf. We're going to talk about all things PGA Championship. We're going to talk about the Colonial, but man, major championship golf just hits so, so, so different. Um, so many storylines to get to. TJ, how was the weekend, and what did you think of the finish that was yesterday's PGA Championship? Another great major golf tournament. Brooks Kepka, the major slayer, back at it again. This time gets the job done on Sunday, winning by two strokes. Really great kind of wire-to-wire performance from Kepka. Know that it seemed like he had a... A lot of kind of mental things going on after the Masters and coming up just shy to John Rahm. Seemed pretty confident talking on Saturday that he was going to close it out on Sunday. Comes out, makes what, three birdies in the first four or five holes and never really looks back from there. So, you know, gr- great to see. Um, I-, I think golf is always more fun when Brooks Kepka is in the mix there and certainly put on a show. Speaking of put on the show, I'm sure we'll talk about Michael Block and everything that went down there. That was some some true fairy tale storybook type of stuff going on. And then, yeah, another another slate of Rainmakers contests had some good sweats going on from the community in the Discord. Almost had a member take down the 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 rare contest, but seems like they fell out just shy. And uh, still a nice top 10 finish. And uh, yeah, excited to talk through everything. And then we've got a a pretty strong field coming up for the Charles Schwab, which was was great to see. I feel like typically you expect the post-major fields to be a little bit on the weaker side. But we've got got some some golfers to play with coming into this weekend. So it's going to be a fun show today. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into the PGA Championship. I mean, you said it best. Big Game Brooks is back. He is back. Golf is better when Brooks Kepka is in the mix because Brooks Kepka embodies a villain in golf. And golf is better when there's, you know, a a, uh, a a guy who some people love and a guy who other people absolutely hate. And I think the Netflix show for me did a ton of like putting Brooks Kepka in the light of somebody that isn't just out there trying to be a villain and trying to play golf and trying to, you know, win golf tournaments. It showed me the emotional side of Brooks and things like that, that we just never really saw um, in terms of golf coverage. And that was definitely like eye opening from my perspective to see how much he works on his game, how hard that he works on it, how much he really does care because he sort of gives off that, that vibe or that attitude that golf isn't all that important and that he is just an athlete who shows up and you know, how he finishes is, is like only thing he cares about. And I think honestly, outside of four, four times a year at the four majors, maybe he does have that attitude. Maybe he really doesn't care all that much about where he finishes in you know, whatever tournament he's playing in, whether, whether it was a PGA tour event, whether it's now a a live Tulsa event or a live Adelaide event. And maybe he only really does care about the four majors and maybe he's able to turn that light switch on and off. And I mean, you have, there's something to be said about his performance at Augusta and then to follow it up at the PGA championship 
and play as well as he did. I think you have to consider him, like you said, a big game hunter where every other week of the year, you can kind of write it off or you can take a a glimpse or two of things from his game and his statistics. But when the majors are here, when the lights are on, Brooks Kepka wants to win. And in general, if that's how we judge golfers, if that's how, you know, history remembers golfers, Brooks Kepka is the modern day Tiger Woods hunter. He's the modern day guy who's going to be remembered in our era of golf. He, he surpasses Rory McIlroy. Now he's on a list of 20 players that have won five plus five or more majors. I mean, just insane, insane statistics from a guy who wasn't, you know, an incredible college golfer, wasn't uh, somebody who, you know, came up like a Colin Morikawa and instantly was on the PGA tour. Somebody who played the challenge tour, played across the world, you know, tested his game time and time again, and then shows up at these major championships and just absolutely wrecks the field. I mean, his display of being confident and hitting every shot that you need to hit to me came down in summary, the two shots, the bunker shot on what I think was hole 11. I mean, that shot literally looked impossible and he walked right up to it, knew the best he could do was absolutely lash at it as hard as he could and get it somewhere in that 10 foot range. He goes to miss the putt, but I mean, the bunker shot was just incredible, just absolutely an insane, insane bunker shot. And then on 18, he has a two shot lead. Sure. But he, he just pulls driver and absolutely rips it right down the fairway, um, you know, and just, you know, steps up to hit every shot that's necessary. So to me, those two shots um, said everything about Brooks, his game, what he thinks about majors and the fact that, you know, he's here to stay uh, wins the PGA this week, which means that no matter what happens with the world golf rankings, no matter what happens with his live performance or what he does or doesn't do on live, he will be around. He's 33 years old. He will be around and exempt for the next five years. So Brooks Kepka will be in every major until he turns 38 at the very, very least. And I think that's an incredible thing for major championship golf. Yeah. And looking ahead, looking at, at DraftKings odds for the U S open right now, Kepka comes in at, at fourth on the list, only behind Scheffler, Rahm and Rory. So the betting markets are putting him right in that top tier category. And like you said, as they should, I mean, if, if Brooks was on the PGA tour right now, I think there would be a three person conversation for who's the best golfer in the world right now. Right now it seems to go back and forth between John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler every single week, Scotty Scheffler coming T2 this week, just two strokes behind Kepka Rahm with not such a great performance at this PGA championship, which, which was surprising to see. But yeah, without a doubt, Kepka right in the mix there. And you talked about his play. I don't, I don't know that I saw him explicitly say this, but my, my kind of read on the situation is that he felt like in the Masters when he had that lead, maybe he took a little bit of a, of a passive mindset of like, oh, I just need to conserve my lead here. And then that led to, to that not happening. Right. Whereas it seemed like he came out this Sunday and was like, I'm not conserving any lead. I'm just going to fire the shots. I'm going to pull driver when I need to pull driver. I'm going to play aggressive. I'm going to go after birdies and just play my game. And that's exactly what he went out and did. Got himself into trouble a couple of times, but was able to get out of it. You know, and we didn't even talk about how difficult 
that course was playing. I mean, my goodness, especially early on with some wind and some weather, very, very challenging test. And it's becoming pretty clear that the PGA championship is, is kind of like a U.S. open 2.0 at this point in terms of the difficult setup. And we know that when the courses play the most difficult is when those top dogs like Kepka, like Scheffler, like Rom tend to rise to the occasion. So yeah, uh, unbelievable performance by Brooks and excited for the U S open. We've uh, less than a month. We're going to have another, another major here. We were talking about before the show, but it does really feel like we're kind of in the, in the heat of the season here as we head into June and the next couple of weeks, a lot of really awesome tournaments, some, some strong fields will be in play. And uh, I can't wait for the U.S. Open. And uh, I'm sure Kepka is going to be wanting to go back to back more than anything. And I think it's it's very possible that that we see him again in the final group on Sunday at the Open. Yeah, a couple other notes from me on Kepka. His last six finishes: PGA obviously finishes first. Live Tulsa, T5. Live Singapore, third. Live Adelaide down in Australia, T11. The Masters, T2, and Live Orlando before that first. If these live events counted for World Golf, uh, you know, overall World Golf ranking points, if they got points for these events, then he certainly would be in the top five at minimum uh in the in the overall world golf ranking uh you know, you know when in that ranking he's currently ranked 13th so even just one win on the pga and one second at the masters puts him 13th all of those other events for live are not counting right now you know i think the pga will continue to fight live but no matter what happens in general if you were at all partial to just observing the guys and how they're playing in these events that they play with PGA tour players, you can't ignore live golfers. So to me, you know, as just some, you know, bystander, just some observer who really, really enjoys this stuff, the best thing in the world to do from the PGA standpoint right now would be just to absolutely lean in and say, you know what? let's go head to head PGA tour versus live. And, you know, I think that would bring out so many more eyeballs. You would have more conversation, more things to talk about. Of course, it's likely not to happen, but you know, in my opinion, when the bodies and minds that be come to the conclusion and the necessary conclusion or the changes that live needs to take in order to count, there's just too many good players on the live tour for them to not be getting points week in and week out. And for somehow to keep these guys away from these major championships, it would be such a disservice to not only the golf fan, but the golfers trying to say who the best players in the world are for every historical conversation or argument that's out there. Uh, it would just be a massive, massive disservice. So I think at some point, um, live guys will get points. I think they will continue to play in majors. I think they will likely continue to attract talent, attract young golfers that want to play golf in on the live tour. And, you know, we'll see history is going to play out here in front of us, but man, what a time for, uh, anyone to be alive in golf because, you know, DeChambeau in the top 10, Cam Smith with an incredible Sunday to finish in the top 10, just insane. The, the level of skill that the, uh, live tour has and how they've performed at majors really shows that golf is better with those guys in the mix. Um, and then, yeah, last thing is PGA, uh, you know, if Brooks goes out, has five major championships, if he goes out and wins, uh, another us open, you know, I think the question 
And the way he challenges sort of his legacy is just to go get the career grand slam. If he would have got Augusta, then he would have only needed the, uh, the British open or the open championship to round out his career grand slam. And I think that's the pedigree and the pedestal that Brooks has put himself on. And so, you know, happy hunting, man, I'm rooting for Brooks. I think it's better when he's in the mix and I'd love to see him get, you know, either the open or Augusta here pretty soon and have three out of the four legs completed for the major grand grand slam. And then kind of go after it alongside Rory alongside Spieth. Uh, and, uh, at least, at least one of the guy I think out there that, that has, uh, has three out of the four. So, uh, I think it's going to be exciting and it's great times for golf. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I definitely uh, agree in a fan fiction way of what you're saying about living PGA tour, but I do not see that happening. I mean, they're going the other way with it. Did you see the Taylor Gooch thing? Taylor Gooch, they basically made a retroactive rule so that he's not eligible to play in the U.S. Open. So while I think that that would be awesome and I would be fully supportive of that, I do not think it's going to happen any anytime soon. I think these guys want nothing to do with the live guys and, and they're trying their hardest. I know Phil, Phil Mickelson has been going on his rants about it and people calling him a conspiracy theorist and all of that. But like seems to be pretty true to me and, and Phil's quite in the know there. So, yeah, I was I was reading up on some of that Taylor Gooch stuff over the weekend and it, it really it really is a shame, but I also like that, you know, once, once they're all out there on the course too, I, I don't, I don't personally get like a, that there's really that much of a PGA tour guys versus live guys vibe out there. Like, I think once they get on the golf course, they're all just kind of viewing each other as, as peers and golfers and, and they're out there playing and, and they're all out there playing well. So yeah, I think, what do we get? Three, three live guys in the top 10. You had Kepka obviously win. And then you had uh, Cam Smith in there. You had Bryson in there. So yeah, definitely. They're definitely performing and you know, it, it does, it does give a little bit of a letdown to some of these other quote unquote, normal PGA tour events, because e even the designated events, it's, it's simply not all of the best golfers in the world out there. And Kepka certainly is the highlight of that. And, you know, I, I, I I also, I wonder how Kepka is feeling. I mean, now that he won a major, he probably simply just doesn't care. But I, I do think that when he made the live decision, it was during a time when he was coming back from injury. He wasn't playing all that well. And I think he made a, a personal decision of like, hey, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to being able to be one of the best golfers in the world like I once was. So I'm going to take this opportunity to, to make life-changing money for myself and my family and you know, there's probably a touch of him that that has had some regret about it. But I think any regret goes away once you come out and win the PGA championship. So great storylines always was also fun to see him and Bryson paired together. And, you know, they had their past beef, but I've since squashed that. And man, Bryson just also looks like a totally different person out there. It's it's, it's really crazy to see what he looks like now compared to what he looked like two years ago during his bulk up phase. But uh, Bryson was, was swinging the club well too, despite struggling on the par fives, which is typically his, his bread and butter. So yeah, lots of exciting stuff in the, in the game of golf. And I guess one of the other, you know, one of the other things while we're talking about live is like, despite all of these guys performing for whatever reason, I, at least personally, and I feel like a lot of people in general, I still have no plans to like turn on a live tournament and watch that anytime soon. And I don't know a ton of people that that are following it super closely. So there's there's definitely still that that disconnect. But uh, I'm curious to see how it all plays out in the coming weeks, months and years while we have these you know two clearly 
elite level tours that are are going at it and i uh, i do hope that like you said they eventually come to a realization that that golf as a whole is is better when both tours are acknowledged but i'm not super hopeful that it's going to happen in the near future yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll continue to keep an eye on it. Uh, we'll leave the Live V PGA Tour conversation for another day. But yeah, just incredible performance by Brooks and gets it done. And you said it best. I think at a minimum, he doesn't he doesn't um, have too much remorse for his decision to go to Live now because he plays the majors in the next five years. So I don't think no matter no matter what happens, in my opinion, and everything that Brooks has said. The majors are the only thing he cares about. He's exempt for five years. He's thirty. He'll be thirty. You know, he's thirty-three now. He'll be thirty-eight by the time he can't play another major, at least based on this exemption. So, yeah, I think for the next five years, he's set. He'll figure out his schedule. You know, live events versus major events, and and we'll be seeing more and more of Brooks Kepka in major championship golf, which is a good thing. Um, all right, a couple other things I want to cover. I, I think let's quickly hit on Michael Block. Um, if you watched at all on Sunday, the final round, I mean, there might have been more Michael Block shots than, than anybody, and maybe rightfully so. Golf is pretty much the only sport where at the professional level you could see something like this happen. Michael Block is a 46-year-old PGA Tour, you know, PGA professional, which means that he at a specific club, which is usually it's, you know, nicer and higher end private or higher end public places or private clubs have a PGA pro that works at their club, kind of do all things golf, give lessons, talk to and manage the course, help manage the overall golf operations, kind of literally a, 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 a jack of all trades type person. Um, and, you know, overall, just insane to see him come out and play as well as he played. You have to qualify to get in. Uh, so there's multiple qualifiers and then ultimately 20 of these guys get to play the PGA championship all uh, out of the, out of the 20 that played 19 guys missed the cut completely. He not only makes the cut, he's at even par. The cut was plus five. Uh, he's at even par and then basically plays the weekend of his life. Uh, shoots even on Saturday, gets into the fourth pairing from uh, from the top with Rory. Plays with Rory on on Sunday, and then to me the the uh, you know the most magical thing of all time, the most insane you know you can't script a story type thing happens on the fifteenth hole. It's 151 yards, par three, a little bit into the wind, hits a seven iron, and goes. You know, right in the hole. I, I mean, literally doesn't touch anything else besides the hole. And then to me, it was, it was, it was a little bit odd, but he, he literally didn't know or didn't want to believe. I'm not sure exactly what happened that it went in uh, as if the crowd would have that sort of uh, eruption for a shot that was five, 10 feet from the hole. He, he didn't really believe it. Rory had to kind of turn around, give him a hug, tell him it went in until he, he, he believed it. But you know, he needs that ace to finish top 15, which gets him automatically back into the event next year, meaning he doesn't have to uh, qualify again. But I mean, to need an ace and to get an ace and then to get the up and down that he got on 18 to finish T15 on the nose um, is just some sort of crazy, crazy golf gods type story that comes together. But yeah, shout out him uh, and the media frenzy that is going to be Michael Block over the course of 
you know, the next couple of weeks, he instantly got a call from Colonial. He, he got the last sponsor's exemption into Colonial. So he's in the field this week playing again. And I saw rumblings on Twitter that the RBC Canadian Open host uh, had reached out and said a spot is is reserved for him you know, of note. He made 288 grands uh, yesterday for his top 15 finish. And even in California, in the, you know, uh, it's, it's like right next to Laguna Beach, uh, like Laguna Niguel in one of the, probably one of the most expensive areas in, in, in the world, in the world, or at least in the U S even there, I'm sure that that payday is much more than his, uh, than his salary. So crazy, crazy cool story. Uh, anything else you had on the Michael Block story? Yeah, it was a fun story to follow all weekend. I remember watching on Thursday and I'm like, who's this guy in an orange hoodie that they, they keep showing on the TV? And typically when you see that, you know, by, by, by the time Sunday rolls around there, you know, they've played themselves out of the tournament because golf is really hard and they're not supposed to be as good as these other players. But for him to 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 keep through it all weekend, get the opportunity to play with Rory on Sunday, which is cool in and of itself, and then to top all of it off with the not only a hole in one, but a, a slam dunk hole in one really is, is the kind of stuff that you would expect to only see in a movie script. So that was a, a fun story throughout the weekend. And uh, seems like he's he's making the most of it and uh, using this as an opportunity and also just was enjoying the moment throughout the, the whole time, which was fun to see interacting with the crowd. So made for a, a really fun story on top of the the battle that was going on with Kepka and others at the top of the leaderboard. In the bar on Saturday night, based on the Twitter uh, sphere that I saw, which is pretty pretty crazy, pretty awesome stuff from uh, Michael Block. Okay, two other things. I want to get into some fantasy contest details and data and info, and then I wanted to cover Vic Hovland. Um, yo, I, I talked about Vic Hovland on our show last Monday. I, I mean, Victor is really, really, really close to winning big and winning big multiple times t3 at the players seventh at the masters with you know a final pairing uh performance and then second here at the pga and was playing flawless kind of blow for blow with brooks hits the one shot you literally can't hit on 16 the Corey connor shot into the bunker and the way oak hill bunkers played there's just such a big lip that if you hit the driver and it's kind of coming down on that trajectory it just gets embedded and once it's embedded it's literally just you're dead and kind of impossible ends up making double and that sort of you know, bid his run uh, farewell and trying to chase down Brooks. But I mean, he was right there with Brooks blow for blow was only a shot down before he hits this shot. If he somehow finds a way, you know, or doesn't hit that drive specifically or gets lucky and that thing rolls back into the bunker makes a par. Yeah. Brooks went on to make a birdie, but you know, you're not out of it at that point, still a couple of holes left and you know, you would have been able to take a different route on or take a more aggressive approach on some of these shots. So, you know, just a little bit of an unfortunate, unlucky you know not the best spot to, to miss here on 16 um but victor gained 16 strokes gained throughout the bag the the worst his worst was like a half a stroke i think that he gained off the tee um but otherwise i mean the guy is super super close to winning super super young only 25 years old uh, and i think it could be sort of this you know floodgate situation that if he gets a big win look out he could win a couple in a row but that's two majors where he's been playing really good and everything that he 
you know, it was very classic Victor Hovland interviews where he was happy with his performance. He thought he played well, you know, I think he's dying and desperate to win, but you know, he's saying all the, all the right things, doing all the right things, you know, working on different parts of his game. He's worked on his short game so, so much over the course of the last year. And now it's sort of become a weapon. So I'm excited for Victor Hovland going forward for sure. Definitely. And he's in the field this coming weekend. So he'll be, he'll be someone that we're definitely eyeing from a, from a rainmaker's point of view, from a DFS perspective and uh, definitely, definitely getting close. And uh, I expect in the sometime in the near future, in the next couple of years, Victor Hovland will, will be a major champion without a doubt. And yeah, just uh, as always been a phenomenal ball striker, but can also see kind of the, the rest of his game really rounding into form. And another person that, that tends to elevate to the more difficult courses, the more difficult fields, and uh, just just kind of has the mold of of some of these guys that are, are currently in that top tier. And I think that Hovland has the potential to get there, and the the, the results will will come eventually. And you know, I think I saw a quote from him where you know he doesn't seem to be down and out or frustrated about how close he's getting without doing it. He's just going to keep doing his thing and uh eventually he'll, he'll, he'll get the breaks and, and get that first major win yeah completely agree all right a couple of fantasy tidbits uh scotty and john rom as expected pretty owned in the majority of contests i did enter the rare gated contest where they were the absolute mega chalk they were for both 40 plus percent owned in that contest 10 10 percent plus ownership uh on their in their captain spot so um in that contest i actually opted to go with xander over scotty and i thought it was a fine pivot off ownership it didn't work out obviously scotty you know finishes t2 incredible Sunday run. And if he had just played a little better on Saturday, he'd be right there, you know, with Brooks at the end. Um, but in general, th those guys definitely garnered the highest ownership. A couple of uh, things on the guaranteed contest I wanted to highlight. Rare guaranteed winning lineup was Scotty, Captain, Cantlay, Hovland, Rory, Xander. So pretty, pretty chalky, pretty heavy top of the board. 400, that lineup scored 423 points. The cash lineup in that contest was the cash line, I'm sorry, in that contest was 282.75. The rare uh, winning lineup. Pretty similar, pretty chalky. Scotty Captain, Hatton, Hovland, Rory, Morikawa. That scored 408.5. And I'll come back to this point, but the cash line for the rare guaranteed contest was 249. Uh, which was the lowest cash line that I saw. So interesting that the rare uh, contest had the lowest line. Uh, if I look at the elite contest winning lineup was Scotty, Cantlay, Hovland, Rom, Xander. Also, you know, very, very chalk and top heavy. It worked out 402.5 uh, for that contest with a cash line in that elite guaranteed contest of 278. 0.25. So, you know, I think a couple of things stick out to me just based on that is one DK continues to kind of extend these payouts. So they have extended the payouts in the rare contests. Um, and that, that extension it le is leading to more and more lineups caching. Also, I think a lot of people are using rare cards up 
and using them in gated contests and, you know, trying to put together lineups in those contests with less and less entries. So it's just interesting and unique there and something that we'll continue to keep an eye on, but a little easier to cash at the in the rare guaranteed contest this week than it was the elite guaranteed contest where we typically see that cash line being pretty close together with not as much of a split and maybe the split favoring the elite contest, but uh, didn't, didn't work out that way this week, which I thought was interesting. Um, and then, yeah, the rare gated, I'll, I'll hit that really quickly. It was the Genesis gated contest. It was 160 plus people in it. 12 people paid, uh, top two won the, um, won the VIP prize, uh, roughly $2,800 value, 402.5 and 392.5 won the top two prizes. And then the cash line. Uh, only 12 pe people paid, but you're paid a, a total sum of $500 of min cash was cash line was 353. So again, we covered this last week, but you really need to be putting a top heavy ceiling type lineup in those contests. If you are going to go gated, you need to think that, Hey, this lineup I'm putting together is it has enough ceiling to beat you know, just the chalkiest of chalky top, top lineups, right? Um, for me, Fitzpatrick let me down. He was the guy that missed the cut, had the most leverage with Fitz. He was only 11% owned in the contest. Uh, the big guys were all pretty owned. Uh, Finau, Xander, and Cantlay all around 25% owned with, like I said, Scotty and Rom at 40 plus percent ownership there. So um, it's hard to make pivots when all of the top guys make the cut and and do pretty well but um those are those are the things you're looking to to do whenever you're entering that, that those kind of contests any thoughts or final observations from pga championship from you teach nothing in particular i think it's good to always be keeping an eye on those contests like you're talking about and, and being smart with how you're allocating your teams and the rainmakers cards that you own we do have the the new lineup builder tool and export as well i know that that people have been been using that but DraftKings last week released the ability to bulk upload multiple lineups into contests via a csv download and so you can head on over to otmnft.com slash rainmakers pro go to the lineup builder and then use your collection to build multiple lineups, assign each of them to the contest that you would like to enter, and then simply click a button, download the export of the CSV, and then drop that right into DraftKings. And as easy as that, be able to enter, enter as many lineups as you want. So really, really useful tool for people with a larger collection. And definitely make sure that, that you check that out. It's going to save people a ton of time and... Uh, you know, I think really, really make it as easy as possible to look at your entire portfolio, see how you want to manage the cards that you have, decide which contest you want to enter into. And then again, one simple click and a drag of the CSV, and then you're you're uploaded and ready to go. So really, really cool tool there. And definitely check that out if you have not already. Yeah, huge for you know, when we get news, late breaking news, let's say you put your lineups together, you've entered them on DraftKings and we get a withdrawal or we get something like that happening. 
huge to be able to just quickly build, rebuild your lineups, you know, get a CSV, upload that, um, and get your, your new lineup submitted into DraftKings. So really, really, really love that DraftKings came out with this ability. Awesome. You're able to build your lineups on our site and then get your CSV to upload into that. So yeah, like TJ said, go over there, check out that tool. I'll also be building my teams, you know, with our, you know, with our entire site and the tools that our site offers on Wednesday and do a solo show on Wednesday, answering listener questions and things like that. So uh, happy to showcase exactly how to build your lineups, get the CSV, get it uploaded and into DraftKings and uh, get rocking and ready to go for the colonial tournament, uh, the Charles Schwab Invitational. Um, you know, it, it's at Colonial Country Club. It's a very old school, you know, traditional test of golf. It's pretty tree lined and it's the definition of a second shot golf course. Without a doubt, it's going to take approach shots and it's going to take a hot putter to win this thing. And like you said at the top, incredible field uh, for a post-major event. Usually get a little bit of that hangover, but we got the likes of Scotty, Victor, Tony Finau, Morikawa, Sanjay M, Sam Burns, who won this tournament last year. Jordan Spieth, I know not uh, impactful for Rainmakers, but Spieth is here. Homa, uh, I mean, the, the, the top of the board is as strong as it's been, you know, in sort of these non-major events, in my opinion, uh, if we had John Rom, it would look like an elevated event, essentially. In my, uh, a bit, you know, he's really the only guy kind of missing at the top, really, uh, when it comes down to it. But yeah, awesome, awesome field should be a fantastic uh, tournament. And when I looked at kind of my first look. Your middle of the board options are really widespreading. You've got, you know, Fleetwood, you know, Kirk and guys like Rose and Henley and Siwoo. Uh, you can kind of attack tons of different ways, which to me, the most interesting thing about my portfolio for Rainmakers right now is you have a lot of the pieces that it takes to put the puzzle together. It's just about trying to put it together in the optimal way. So I think the game is now, you know, not only do I need to make a, an, an add to my portfolio or, but it's, it's, if I do, if I don't need to make an ad, how am I building the team that's going to give me the most upside and then kind of sweating the contest. So it feels a bit more like traditional DFS at this point, you know, we're closing in on the halfway mark of, you know, the rainmakers contest. So feeling really good about my portfolio where it is and trying to put the pieces together in a way that makes sense for the given tournament. And then, you know, seeing where, seeing where things lie. But I said this last week on the Wednesday show, I'm going to continue to build what I think is the best team I can. I think spreading yourself thin in Rainmakers continues to prove uh, to be sort of a, a losing proposition. I'd rather put, you know, all my eggs into a lineup or two, know that it has the ceiling to take down some of these top prizes and kind of sweat it that way. That's just my initial thought on uh, how this, how this, uh, this tournament grades out and how my portfolio has been grading out based on the results that I've been seeing. Yeah, for sure. I, I've been been doing the same where I, you know, kind of build one super team, throw that into the the rare guaranteed contest. Uh, I did I did cash for nothing crazy, but but had a nice little cash this week. I actually forget exactly how much it was for. I think like cash for like sixty bucks or something like that. So you know, just chunking up cashes over time, add into the bankroll, and yeah, I, I I've mostly been been kind of staying pat with what I have in, in my collection now, 
Um, I, my, I, I've been rocking John Rahm as my kind of core starter play. So I do not have a Scheffler for this week. So, you know, I could see arguments for on a week like this, just adding the Scotty to, to have in your lineup because I think, what is he like plus 450 yeah. this week or something outrageous? So, yeah, I mean, certainly would not be surprised to see Scotty go out there and win. He finished second at this tournament last year. Sam Burns was the the winner. And um, yeah, it, it should be should be a fun, fun test. And I think a lot of different types of golfers can compete at this course. I don't think you need to be like a, a super bomber or anything like that, which which tends to open up the, the range of golfers that can have a chance to win the, those kind of second second shot golf courses at Colonial. And um, yeah, so it's a, it's a it's a good week to be able to put some of your cards to to play. I know for me, I've got a I've got a Finau and a Hovland who are both sitting towards the top of the board this week, so they'll be kind of my core pieces, and then just mixing and matching around that. But should be another fun 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 tournament, and uh, yeah, it's just been really an, an awesome season of of golf and uh a really good time for rainmakers to be making its debut because it's it's you know i i actually felt like i haven't been playing much dfs at all anymore i'm just really dialed in and focused on rainmakers i i like the kind of upfront investment and then getting to to chunk away at it each and every week played the marketplace a good bit early on and then we also do have new packs that are going to be dropping tomorrow so tuesday May 23rd, uh, another another set of packs, $99, and you get three cards in each. You're going to be guaranteed to get two rares, and then the third one will either be an elite or a legendary, which which is pretty cool. So it's a, a 75% chance of at least the start of being an elite, 25% of being a legendary. We've got the expected value calculations up on the website now. And yeah, it, it's it's looking like a, a value for sure. There's definitely a wide range of, of what you could end up with in the pack. But um, while $99 is not necessarily a cheap price point, it does seem that there's some some edge and some EV to be had in, in scooping up these packs and, you know, get, get that chance to get a legendary, which depending on what you already have in your collection, you may not be able to actually use it yourself in any lineups, but can head on over to the marketplace. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I have a feeling that after these pack drops, we'll see some more liquidity in the legendary market than, than we've seen over the past couple of weeks. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. I'll be keeping an eye on the market page within the Rainmakers Pro Tools and you know, seeing what the volume looks like on the legendaries after these packs start to drop tomorrow. Yeah, we're continuing, and I talked about market equilibrium at the elite tier. Uh, I think legendary tier is it needs to find some some market equilibrium, and so maybe you know this infusion of packs it adds contests and packs adding supply, so it's going to add lineups. But I think in general, you know, you need to continue to foster an environment where there's buyers and there's sellers, and therefore I think you know this kind of pack is the kind of pack that might spark you know some people buying uh, and some people selling at different prices. So we'll see how that pans out i do think uh it, it's a fun pack to simulate in our tool on our uh in our tools we have a pack simulator so you can go to this specific pack and simulate the opening you'll get your three you know randomized cards two rares one elite or legendary as tj said and i think it's nice to be able to get an idea of some of the range of outcomes that opening these packs comes with so um we'll see what happens with that drop there's 
4,000 packs total, 3,900 of which are being dropped by DraftKings. So we will see how that spans and how that results in terms of sales and what packs are available to be purchased for the public as we move uh, through the day tomorrow. Um, yeah, I, I guess a couple of guys that I wanted to highlight for Colonial that I think are in, you know, what I'll call is bounce back spots. And one guy that both of us like, uh, specifically Sunjay M, didn't have the best first round at the PGA Championship. I think he shot like an opening round 80 and just very, very uncharacteristic of Sunjay. But man, Oak Hill played really hard. If you put yourself in the wrong spots, it was so easy to make double bogey uh, pretty quickly. So, you know, I think you get find yourself in a couple of bad spots on the opening round. And then you, you know, there wasn't a lot of birdie opportunities out there. You know, you were happy to make pars, but when you're kind of chasing uh, early, it can be easy to force it. And as soon as you force it, that's where a golf course like Oak Hill can just dominate you. So I think Sanjay is in a really, really, really good bounce back spot has some some decent history uh, around Colonial, finished 15th last year, two years ago finished 10th. Uh, so I think Sanjay's in a good spot. And then, you know, somebody that everyone was kind of off last week is Colin Morikawa. Morikawa's at the top of the odds board or close to the top of the odds board. Again, has good history. Uh, the question will always be the putter with Morikawa as of recently, but played pretty well at the PGA Championship on a hard course and has some good history uh, at Colonial. Maybe his game starts to round back into form as we uh, as we march forward to the U.S. Open. So we'll see how he does. And then last guy on, on my list that I wanted to mention is... Uh, looking at the bottom of the board, Brandon, Brendan Todd, you know, I think uh, he's quite interesting as a short hitter, him and Chris Kirk. So I think, you know, this is the kind of course where you don't need to be a bomber. You don't need to hit the ball super, super far. Uh, so I don't think Todd has, I can't remember, but I don't believe he has rainmaker status, but Kirk uh, does have status. So I think those are, uh, that's a skill set that I was looking at in terms of what stands out to me for success at this course. So I think uh, he, he's interesting for this week. Yeah, Brendan Todd was actually someone that, that I had on my list as well. Has been playing some some decent golf lately, finished third and T8 the last two years at this tournament. Like you said, uh, not not a course where you need a ton of length. Brendan Toddle always does well on kind of the the shorter hitting courses where it's more about the the approach game and then the, the around the green game and the putter. He's one of the best putters and around the green players, not only in this field, but on tour in general. So I like the the Brendan Todd call a lot. I also have my eye on on Tommy Fleetwood, who has been playing some some really, really solid golf as of late. He's got, what is this, eight straight made cuts, finished 18th last week at the PGA Championship, has two recent top five finishes at the Wells Fargo and the Valspar, uh, finished T35 at this tournament last year in the, the only time I believe that he's played it, so nothing too crazy, but do like Fleetwood, and, and if you look kind of a, a step down at the underlying stats, he's basically gaining strokes across the board in, in every single category, off the tee, approach, around the green, putting. He, he's got the entire game working right now, and uh, yeah, so Tommy Fleetwood, another guy, you know, in kind of that upper mid-range, I guess I would say, I think he's 30 to 1 from an odds perspective, but I, I like him this week, and obviously at the top of the board, Scotty, Tony Finau, and Victor Hovland, I mean, they're to me a, a bit of a, a cut above 
um, even above like the the Morikawa Homa tier, just because of their their recent form relative to Morikawa and Homa. So obviously, if you have any of those guys in Rainmakers, you're going to be playing them. But I, I I like Fleetwood down a little bit lower, and then I'm on the same page with the the Brendan Todd call from more of a long shot standpoint. Yeah. So last guy, and I'll do a little bit more of a dive into him and my portfolio specifically, you know, a guy that I, when I first, when I was first looking at colonial, a guy that I thought, okay, I have him in my portfolio. I would think he grades out pretty well here is Tom Hoagie, uh, hits wedges kind of better than anyone has, is gonna, I think proximity is, uh, proximity to the whole to is definitely a, a, a a stat that uh, you need to do well around colonial. But then I looked in his history, he hasn't made a cut in three years at colonial. So not sure what is happening there with Hoagie, but that's the one I'm going to be diving into have a good bit of Hoagie in my portfolio. But he stood out to me as someone that I thought would, would grade pretty well at this course. But seemingly when I first took a glance at it, I was like, Oh, I don't love the prior history here. So maybe Hoagie turns it around, but uh, yeah, that was just something that that stood out to me in my initial take. And I'll be back on Wednesday, going through my teams building on our site, otmnft.com, using the lineup builder, using the market page, taking a look at what is out there after these packs get dropped, what the impact is uh, on each one of the tiers. And uh, yeah, using the export feature to get my teams uploaded and into DraftKings. TJ, as always, we are going to hold you to one pick and or maybe a couple other guys that you really like, but give us the winner at colonial this week yes yes let's do it there's there's quite a few options to pick from here i am not going to go at the very top of the board because that's no fun here and i did just talk about him but i'm gonna gonna double down here tommy fleetwood i think is is the winner pick here 30 to 1 great recent form Sets up nicely for this course with his approach game, with the all-around game that he has vibing right now. And uh, I'm going to go with the the Tommy Fleetwood winner pick here. Man, nobody likes to hear that more than Tommy Fleetwood himself. That would be the monkey off the back. It would be his first PGA Tour win. Probably one guy that you know, based on his golf history, based on his pedigree, you know, it's pretty unbelievable that he doesn't have a PGA tour win. Uh, he's probably the top of the list in terms of world golf rankings of guys without a PGA tour win. So yeah, I think it would be magic to, uh, uh, Fleetwood's ears if you heard that call. So maybe the, the winner whisperer, uh, you know, TJ can bring out a win for Fleetwood. All right. Any final words for the people before we close it out and get into the Wednesday show? No, no final words. Enjoy a, a, we're not even going to have a major hangover this week because we've got a great tournament ahead. So get in line to get some packs tomorrow. Use the lineup builder tool to put together your teams and let's have another winning week in the discord the the otm and jolly jokers community have been been crushing it at rainmakers and uh, it's super fun to see and uh hoping for some more winning screenshots coming up next sunday just like we had yesterday that'll do it he's tj i'm coop i'll be back on wednesday look for the strategy article coming out late tuesday early wednesday look for the lineup builder show on wednesday any questions that you have we'd love to hear from you all and we will get into all of my thoughts on your questions on wednesday so until then catch you all in the discord and enjoy your week talk to you later 
Thank you.